This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Wait, what's the title? What's the title? I don't know, but we're oh. live. What's up, boys? <laughs> Graham will be here any minute now. Jeremy, take us away. Well, howdy there, guys. Welcome into Millennial Money. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we got a lot to talk about tonight. We got to discuss uh, meme stocks being back. All of a sudden, AMC GameStop's going crazy. We got to talk about crypto. Crypto has been, uh, you know, kind of kind of rough lately. Needless <laughs> to say, we got coming about back. That. It's coming back. Andre says. We got to talk about uh, what we're buying out there, some cryptos, some stocks, what moves we're making. We obviously got to have to discuss at some point uh, the man running for governor. I want to ask him later on tonight at some point. I want to get Uh-oh. into his mind and see what are the odds he thinks he's actually going to be governor of California in this election. We're going to ask him that tonight. And so, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Graham said he's going to be here in a, in a second. He's just He's just a little too important for us, unfortunately, here on Millennial Money. So he's going to be with us soon. And somebody got pregnant, and we're going to disclose that in this video as well. So a lot to talk about, guys. Where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? Gosh, I don't even know. Pick one. Wait. Mean stocks. Tattoo chef. (laughs) Oh, tattooed chef. Yes, tattooed chef's in the comeback. Let's kick it off. yeah, chef's coming back, man. I'm happy about that. It's, uh, I mean, from April 20th, and I feel like that was a day a lot of stocks bought them, but that one specifically, 420 of all days, it was at 15 bucks a share that day. And today it actually reached 22, um, which is, you know, a pretty, pretty, you know, rapid change. I do wonder if there's a little short squeeze going on maybe uh, when it comes to Tattoo Chef, because that one, what, what happened was the stock price kept going down and the shorts just kept shortening heavier and heavier. And the most recent numbers we had was over 13 million shares were short, which is a very, very high number. And so, um, you know, that's just insane. But uh, Kevin, what do, you, what do you think about the whole chef situation? You think it's just a little short term move or what are you thinking? You know, you know first of all, I just want to say I, I didn't even realize it was 420 was the bottom. 420 was the day that I uh, rotated my portfolio into 25 percent options. That was the day I went pretty much all on options uh, for, for a huge portion of my portfolio, uh, which that's crazy. Uh, the Tattooed Chef and 
reversion to sort of SPACs, I think is really a symptom of hedgies looking and going, wait a minute, we have shorted these to oblivion. I mean, some of these SPACs were next to $10. Tattooed Chef was a SPAC. Uh, these were so horrifically oversold. IPOE with Shamath. It, it almost didn't even matter. You could throw a dart. Now, that's not to take any, any benefits away from TTCF. Uh, it, it, but I'm just like, the rotation, you know, can it rotate back down? I, I mean, sure. But I, I think it just overcorrected. So I don't think we're going to see that low again. We're not going to see that 15 again at TTCF. I don't think anytime soon. Interesting. Andre, you got you got any money in TTCF or are you not interested? I don't in have it in TTCF. TTCF. No, I don't have it. Should I get in? It's too late. Hey, hey, I should I'm have gotten in before, please. I'm not saying anything, man. I can tell you, somebody, not sure who, Jeremy, not sure, Somebody sent eight tattooed chef meals to our campaign refrigerator. That it was not- there one day. Lawrence <laughs> stocked it. I'm opening up the refrigerator, the freezer. I'm like, what the heck is this? And then I walk in today and Gabe's sitting there eating the mac and cheese. I'm like, what is this crap? <laughs> it was not me. But I will say, Kevin, every single time I post a video on TDCF, there's always comments about people are going to send you uh, food. So I'm not surprised somebody actually did it because literally every single time I'm like, it's ridiculous. But that's hilarious, man. Don't be surprised if you get more food sent to you somehow. <laughs> there we go. Sorry, guys. I was trying to get this to work. And I got it to work, but now the audio, for some reason, the, the road mic isn't working, so I'm just using the computer. It sounds that good. Works. It sounds great, man. Really? Cool. That Better works. than your normal, I think. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. There so we go. We're, we're welcome, talking about- Welcome back to Millennial Money. <laughs> We're, we're, we're chatting about uh, TTCF, Graham, and we're, we're chatting about how it's all of a sudden turned for the corner. And somebody sent Kevin a bunch of TTCF meals, supposedly. No. And uh, <laughs> yes, that wasn't you. It was not me. No, <laughs> mm. no. But so, yeah, I, I, every time I post a TTCF video, Graham, on my channels, like it, there's always comments about people are like, I'm going to send Kevin a bunch of food and stuff like that. So like, I'm not surprised somebody finally actually did it. So. But hey, Kevin, so that brings me to another thing. Last time we chatted, uh, we chatted a little bit about you potentially getting security because we were a little worried about some things that were going on. What's an update on that weird situation, if you don't mind elaborating? Yeah, you know, we, we had a rally, our first sort of micro rally this weekend in, in Venice, and people are just so supportive. Uh, and there was really no moment where we felt like, okay, we, we, we needed, uh, you know, I, I won't say what, what we have. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, like it, it felt really good. Uh, I think people are just very happy. Uh, uh, overall, we've got such an amazing community of subscribers, all of us. All, I mean, anytime I've run into any of your subscribers when we've been out in the public or my subscribers or whatever, really just a phenomenal group of people. We, I think we should be very grateful of what we have. That's not to say we, we should be careless, but I've, I've been very, very thoroughly impressed. So it, it's good. Yeah, and mostly Graham, my uh, subscribers though, mostly mine, but uh, Kevin, yours are good too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Graham, did you did you yeah. go out to that, uh, Graham? Yeah, no. yeah. Th- so, so Kevin, so I saw you posted it that morning, and I was like, oh man, I wish I could be down there. It was like a five-hour drive away, and uh, Macy and I were supposed to be going to breakfast that morning, and we get there, and we're like, oh well, technically, if we leave right now, no, no, we're not going to do it. 
And we're thinking about it. And we're like, hmm, maybe we could make it work. And it turned out that Jack and Alex were both down and we're, we're all together. And we're like, if we leave right now, we can make it just in time. And we did. Wow. Oh, well, such an honor. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's really yeah. cool. How long? It was, how yeah, long well, what happened, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was really fun. We uh, I want to say talk for about an hour and a half, really listening to folks' concerns. We'll we'll end up posting like a video from from it, but it was great because we had a, a, one of those wireless, you know, one one of these guys, uh, and, and so we gave this to people in the audience to ask their question into, which was really great because you can now switch between my audio and theirs, and so we're going to be able to do a really nice kind of montage of, of people actually asking questions. So it was it was really town hall style, is the way I would call it. It wasn't like a, here's my speech. Uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, it, it was it was really, really good. I want to say what, maybe 100, 125 people or something like that. We didn't get kicked out of Venice Beach. I mean, what what more can I ask for? It was wonderful. Yeah, well, what it was, was a really good. Sorry. Sorry. What was a question you got that was particularly either hard to answer or was it really interesting? Anything that stood out? Oh, gosh. I mean, just all of the questions have their own merits uh, in, in so many ways from I think the biggest one that just regularly comes up is people are tired of two big things as the main priorities in California. And that's unaffordability with housing. Uh, and, and, and part of that also relates to traffic because people are like, well, I want to live further away, but then it's going to take me three hours to get to my job, you know. Uh, so uh, the unaffordability and uh, number two, homelessness that it's so bad the pandemic made it way worse uh it's it's pretty rough how uh, did people see... react how how did people react to the i think you said quarter of a million two hundred fifty thousand dollars your first two hundred fifty thousand no state income taxes right how did people respond to that this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, people love that. It can be done, right? It can be done. We've got a study that we're going to be releasing a whole piece on uh, from a university that breaks down exactly how our plan is basically perfect uh, for, for removing taxes on the first 250K in Cali. And so uh, there's a lot of research that's going into it. Like we're hiring economists now. In fact, if anybody watching this, I hope you guys don't mind me saying this, anybody watching this wants a job uh, that's dude or female okay and i'm saying that because out of like 99 applications we get like one female okay it's a problem <laughs> please feel free to apply we need researchers academics phds uh, whatever or, or even if you just want to volunteer staff at me kevin.com nice yeah it was i gotta say a really good turnout and kevin had an answer for everything i was actually really impressed kevin was throwing a few questions where i was like how are you going to answer this and answer it in such a way that that doesn't alienate one side or the other. And Kevin did a really good job at just being completely fair to both sides. And I feel like just 
uh, just representing everyone equally. I was actually really impressed. Thanks, man. That's so cool. Yeah. I, have, I have so many questions I could stump you with, Kevin, but I'm not going to go there, man. Wow. <laughs> you know what we'll do is we'll do a special uh, financial education exposes me, Kevin, on your channel or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, it would be it would be uh, no. They're so inappropriate. I can't even I can't even talk about it. But anyways, let's move on from the governor governor stuff. So no, one last thing on the governor. I, before we yeah. move on to stocks and cryptos, Kevin, realistically. Like, if you had to put odds on yourself, what are you putting odds on that you're going to be governor of California at this time next year? Yeah, so uh, right now, uh, I'm running, it's two elections we're running. One, it's recall Newsom. Uh, two, huh. it's vote for me. If Gavin Newsom gets recalled, so if enough people are pissed off at Gavin Newsom, which there are, uh, but there's a big undecided population. So if enough people go for the recall, we win. Uh, I I beat I beat Jenner. I beat Cox. I beat uh, you know the the whatever the other contenders are. Really, I mean they haven't even really put campaigns together. Uh, that's wow. no brainer for us. So recall happens, we win. Uh, the big mission is getting the recall to happen. We've got about a ten percent swing vote in California, and so our job is is proving this is not just a Republican recall. This is a this is get Newsom out and put somebody better in. I think we've got a really good shot. So percentage-wise, I can't say, but I think we've got a really, really good shot. Probably way better than I would have expected. Wow. Do you think that your audience on YouTube is enough to overcome the many millions of dollars of lobby money that Newsom is getting versus your platform? Do you think that, yeah. M money has a really funny thing in politics because what matters more are uh, really people who resonate so much with your message that they almost become like brand ambassadors. And it's like, how could you vote for anything else but this? I think we could probably run our campaign with $8 million uh, and, and win. Like if somebody right now is like, oh, I got $8 million. I want to see your things happen. And they're like, we want to sponsor Kevin to make this happen. I think Gavin Newsom could spend $80 million and we could spend eight and kick his butt. Uh, mostly wow. because... You, you, there's no way you could be that loyal to an incumbent who's been in for 17 years when there's so many problems. It's it's money is an issue, but I think we can stretch it way further. Hmm. Well, what do you say to the people that criticize it? And they're like, well, you don't have any, you know, experience in politics. You've never been a senator. You've never done anything. How do you go Thank from God. this just straight up to go? Okay, we, we we could actually get something done. Because, I mean, yeah. think about how many entrenched politics there are around around getting reelected. My whole thing is, look. If I get in, if I get elected as governor, I only get one year. That's it. I get one year and I have to campaign again. So really, it's kind of like a free trial <laughs> that people get. Uh, yeah. And so give me a year. Let me prove myself to you. Uh, and I'm not beholden to re-election politics, right? I'm not beholden to all this uh, cronyism. Like my thing is I want to go in there. I just want to show people What's it like? What's behind the scene of California? Look how we can get things done or look what stands in the way so people can get a real glimpse. And it's not just, you know, the shady uh, dinner somewhere with a bunch of lobbyists or whatever. Oh, I love that. That's so cool, man. Yeah. One, so one side of me wants to see you win, Kevin. Let me speak how I, I, I want to speak on this. One side of me wants to see you win because that would just show like, you know, so many amazing things are possible, right? The one side of me doesn't want to see you win because I'll be honest, we're going to lose you on millennial money if you become governor. There's no way you're going to have time. And if you even do have time, people are going to criticize you and be like, 
oh, he's spending an hour and a half just chatting with those guys on millennial money. And then like a lot of your YouTube videos are going to have to change massively. You're not going to be able to do market opens and market closes. That way nope. people are going to look at him. He's just making YouTube videos and he's not even <laughs> worried about being governor. So. They'll, they'll dig up some old, they'll dig up some dirt about me. They'll be like, You're, he's collabing with the Russian spies, Russian uh, yeah. again. Like, That's it. They're going to find dirt on all of us. They're going to oh, find yes. something. I won't, I won't agree to do it if I can't keep doing what I do. So mm. for me, look at it this way. I wake up at six. I do my market opens. Well, I probably wake up at like 530. Then I do my read a bit. I do my market opens. The market opens are a phenomenal way to stay in tune with what's actually happening in the economy, which I think is a prerequisite of actually being a politician is knowing what the heck is going on. Mm. Number one. Uh, number two, yeah, you know, I do my uh, my course member live stream uh, from like seven to eight in the morning, seven fifteen to eight uh, in, in the morning. Now we moved it up a little bit, but the beautiful thing is between eight and and six, almost the entire day, I'm just grinding. Uh, and you know, can I just throw in a lunch break, market close, no problem. Uh, and and my other videos about what I already do, like hey, my thoughts on the real estate market, my thoughts on what Jerome Powell just said. What's the difference between that? And Donald Trump going on Twitter going, I want to fire, uh, you know, Jerome Powell because he's not lowering rates. What's the difference between Trump tweeting that and me making a video? Hey, guys, here's here's what the Fed's doing right now. Here are my opinions on this. Like, I can speak. I don't lose my right to <laughs> yeah, free speech. YouTube could be the next Twitter. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, but, but I don't think I'm going to get banned, right? Uh, I mean, and and you know, I I don't want to go into obviously the rationale that Twitter gave for for banning Trump or whatever. But I actually think YouTube would be extremely supportive of that level of transparency. Like, there's every politician is on Twitter blabbing. They could all be on on YouTube. What what stops that freedom of speech? Nothing. Uh, and right. with with a team, uh, you know, who's to say I can't walk from the Capitol building to my house? Or, or to whatever other building and, and do a quick update on, hey, guys, here's what Jerome Powell just said. Nothing. You're not seeing me going anywhere. Here, my, I got my mug for this. I'm not effing leaving. <laughs> That's awesome. Can you imagine we are making a video right now with the future governor of California? That's you know what would be funny, by the way, if I get a mug that says I left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're always so supportive, Graham. <laughs> I'll be supportive, but I'll, but I'll be supportive from here. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh man yeah i don't know I mean, what? Crypto stuff. have you guys been buying i have I did. I so, crickets I bought, I bought. no no i did so All i right. bought um so i bought ethereum when it when it dropped below 2000 and i think i remember actually saying on last week's live stream i said that if it were to drop below two i would buy again and i stayed true to that it dropped below two and i think it got in about 19 it was like 1933 I bought in nice. and uh, it went up faster than I expected. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. I, I bought it here as well. Uh, as we talked about this Ooh. last week, we're like, Hey, what, you know, what if it drops to resistance or below or whatever? Uh, and it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't time it as well as you, Graham. I looked at it. I'm like, I should be buying, but I ran out of money. Uh, so I bought at 24 uh, when it hit that, that resistance level, I bought at 24. Uh, like, I don't think it was like 60 grand or something like that. Uh, and then I ran out of money, so I couldn't I couldn't continue to buy. This. Wait, Kevin, what do you mean you run out of money? You mean like you don't have any more money in your bank account or right. like no money in Coinbase or how does that work? Yeah, no, no more money in my bank account. Are you serious? You <laughs> well, run yourself no that thin? So I've I've all of my credit lines are are available, right? Or or I have I'm still moving things around, but basically I'm I'm at where 
pretty much I'm at zero margin right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, I'll keep my accounts at like, you know, I don't know, 10 grand or whatever. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. like money sitting there. It's either paid off on margin or it's in the market. And then if, if let's say, I don't know, 20 grand comes in or whatever, or 20 grand comes in twice, that goes right into the market. Hey, so, so Graham, Kevin, you guys bought Ethereum. All right, guys. Yeah. So well, go ahead and um, explain to me why Ethereum's worth three hundred billion dollars. I'll wait. Andre, <laughs> hey, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. Uh, go for I'll, it. I'll, I'll take my stab at it just briefly. Uh, you know, Ethereum, and I'm looking. This it's so interesting. You've really got two worlds, and I want to hear Andre's take on this too. But you've really got these two worlds splitting right now, where you have uh, this this massive energy debate and a sustainability debate. And Ethereum is seen as a one potential path, along with Cardano. But Ethereum is seen as one of these potential paths, especially Ethereum 2.0, of getting away from that proof of work model and and getting to proof of stake. Uh, it to where maybe we can actually do regular transactions with lower gas fees, so lower costs, uh, transaction fees, faster network, and actually have real function there. Now, Bitcoin, uh, folks say, oh, it's not going to go away because it's, you know, it's store value or whatever. You know, fine. We've made that argument last week. We talked a lot about Bitcoin last week, so I won't I won't rehash all of that from last week. But yeah, I mean, the the momentum and enthusiasm behind what can be done with Ethereum and the coins that can be built on the Ethereum network very powerful and even consider the fact that gamestop if you go to nft.gamestop.com they're they're now considering getting into the nft space it's it's incredible a lot of the nfts i would say probably almost all of them i don't know that for sure they'll ask andre are are based on the ethereum network so it's a a wonderful tool it's almost like the shovel uh for or or the pickaxe for the gold miners right i don't know my take i want to be a part of it i like it yeah, I bought I like- some Ethereum as well at uh, 25 and then 19 when it dipped. So I got in with Graham as well at 19. Both. Nice. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, Good job. Yeah. It's awesome. So it's really interesting. I saw this video on YouTube and I don't remember what it's called, but it was so good. I'll find If I find it, I'll send it to you guys. But it was basically making this comparison that uh, Bitcoin is kind of like, if you think about Bitcoin as an engine, all of the things outside of Bitcoin, like the economy, are the battery. And Bitcoin is not really connected to the battery. The engine itself is kind of a standalone engine. In comparison to Ethereum, which is an engine that is connected to the battery because the battery is the blockchain. I guess you could say the engine is the blockchain, but you have actual applications, whether it's NFTs, whether it's DeFi, whatever it is, that there are so many things with Ethereum that are boosting its price beyond just, let me just buy it and hold on to it and wait for inflation to happen. There's actual utility behind it that's driving its value to go higher. It's almost so like the, saying if the concept yeah. of blockchain succeeds, then then Ethereum inevitably succeeds. Whereas with with Bitcoin, there's a completely different narrative. So I think the two can coexist. They're just going to derive their value from two completely different things. It's almost like think of uh, is this would this be an accurate comparison to think of like Bitcoin is like Amazon, let's say that you have Amazon online, and then you also have the entire internet. Or let's just say, well, yeah, I guess you would have the internet, which would be Ethereum that you could build from. But Bitcoin is just a component of a yeah. much bigger network of, sure. of cryptocurrencies. Not only that, but but people yeah. are building businesses, for example, on Facebook. I don't know if you guys remember, people were building their own online shops and, and stores. I mean, Etsy is another example where people are building businesses on top of a business. So it's kind of like it's exactly what Ethereum is. People are, are building applications on top of it. And Bitcoin is kind of a closed off ecosystem. And there's a lot of driving factors that lower the price. For example, miners mining Bitcoin, but then they have to sell their Bitcoin in order to pay for their electricity costs. 
So th there's a lot of factors within Bitcoin that are selling it off, that are driving the price lower. Whereas in contrast with Ethereum, it's completely the opposite direction where you're staking and you're locking that money up into a smart contract and you're using it. So it's, it's, it's taking the money away, which is driving the price higher. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. I, I like your answer there, Kevin, because uh, at the end of the day, you said, I just, I want to be part of it. And that's, I, I'm, I own like, I don't know, maybe like $10,000 in Ethereum. And that's the same thing. Like, I don't think you can justify the valuation, whether it's a hundred billion, 300 billion, a trillion, like, you know, it, it's hard to really justify that because we still, so much has to play out. Right. But it's interesting because the excitement's there. And it's just so interesting coming from the stock space and seeing the crypto space because people, it doesn't really matter the valuation. It just matters about excitement, right? I mean, I had somebody message me last night. They're like, oh, there's blood in the streets. Be, remember Warren Buffett's quote, be greedy when others are fearful on, on Ethereum, right? And I, and I looked and I was like, you realize Ethereum's up over a thousand percent since this time last year. You don't usually use that phrase when something's up a thousand plus percent in less than 12 months, right? You usually use that type of phrase if you're in a situation where the, you know, you've come down a ton or maybe you're lower than you were a year ago or something like that. To say there's blood in the streets when you're up a thousand percent plus, I don't know. Right. Uh, maybe it's just also, a difference of opinion. Also, Jeremy, to answer your question, and and I think we're, we're, we're not quite at the answer just yet, but I think in a few months, maybe in a year or two, we'll, we'll be a lot closer to being able to identify Ethereum's market value as far as like why it's worth what it's worth um, because miners are going to be essentially businesses and there's going to be a way to value them independently kind of like looking at their market caps and comparing it against Ethereum and so we're going in that direction where we're going to create some sort of calculatable model that we can look at and, and derive its value and make sense of it so Ethereum is headed in that direction justifies its value. What do you yeah. think of the flipping? <laughs> do you think Ethereum is going to one day be worth more than Bitcoin? I think market cap, 100%. Mm -hmm. Not not the coin independently or individually. Right. No. Right. Yeah. By my, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you got an interesting thing there, Andre, when you kind of bring out like, you know, businesses being built on Ethereum and whatnot. The first thing is like, like, well, how much does Ethereum get of those businesses, right? That's something to think about. Also, let's think about a real company in the real world that is insanely huge named Apple, right? Apple, think about how many companies are built on the back of Apple in the app right. store, right? And Google in the, in the, in the Google play store, right? In Google, and let's say Apple trades at 2 trillion or something like that. Um, you know, imagine if, <laughs> imagine if Ethereum had that sort of actual real world application is Ethereum worth, you know, 50 trillion, a hundred trillion. Like, you know what I mean? When you think about, let's say Ethereum, Ethereum top, I think 500 billion recently, right? So that's a fourth of Apple size. And here you have Apple with a ton of the biggest companies in the world building on the back of Apple and they're at 2 trillion. And then you have Ethereum, which let's be honest, what, what, what does Ethereum really have going on than some NFTs? Like in the real world, like I don't, I can't name of a big business, name one big business that's running on Ethereum right now. Let's see other coins hmm. too though, right? There's yeah. Not, there's nothing there. What do you mean? There's there's, what name one big business running on Ethereum? Just one, because I can name you a hundred that's running on the back of Apple and Google right now. Besides NFT, you mean like the Crypto Kitties and all the other stuff that's going on? The the yeah, Crypto Kitty? Are you calling a Crypto Kitty a big company? I'm talking about a big company. Well, first big of all, company. Well, Jeremy, hold on, hold on. So, so first of all, you don't have companies with within crypto, right? Because okay. nobody nobody owns it. It's who's just doing, something that who's functions. doing anything big on Ethereum right now? Like a really big, like, oh, this is super famous. We all know this. Oh, this is big. 
Gosh, um, I, I suppose not from a fame perspective, nothing that I can name that everyone's gonna be like, ah, oh, of course, this is this thing. Yeah, Crypto Kitties, besides like the Crypto no, Kitties like, and NFTs, but JP Morgan. I think maybe MetaMask is pretty powerful. Uh, MetaMask for, for as a wallet sure. and and uh, collecting fees, exchanging fees. I found MetaMask, obviously, I mean, you could do some other coins with it too, but very much used for securing and, and signing uh, contracts for NFTs. It's a little clunky to start with. You know, it, it feels like it feels a little bit kind of like dial up still, you know, it's just still so early in such these early phases. So, you know, I, I think we might be comparing different worlds where we're comparing this, this post app store revolution to the dial up days really is, is what it feels like. Don't get me wrong, Jeremy. Hey, look, man, I cannot give you a fundamental analysis on Ethereum or Bitcoin. I can't do it. I could give you one on, on why, uh, T, uh well, uh, Tesla is, is, uh, you know, going to 3x and TTCF will probably go up at least a third of a percent. Uh, but, you know, for, for Ethereum, yeah, no, you're right. No, yeah. I, I'm with you. There is no no answer that I have for you that I'm like, this is how you value it. I yeah. I don't know yet. I'm not yeah. saying, but that's not to say that in the future there won't be a way to, to make more sense of it. 100%. Um, I think the yeah. same could also be said about Bitcoin when it was at 10,000 or 5,000. I think a or lot of these, whether they're at a few hundred or a few thousand, it's probably going to be a similar answer. Right. Yeah, I think what bugs me is just that mentality of 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 when it comes to crypto space, it's just you just look forward and you don't question. You don't question the valuation. It doesn't matter what price you pay. If you pay a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million for Ethereum, it doesn't matter. If you buy Bitcoin at five thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand, it doesn't matter. You just buy it, man. That mentality is, is frustrating for me to hear. Mm. And it's it's worrisome. It really is because it's just I don't I don't I don't get. So it. let me like, ask you this, Jeremy. Why did you buy it in the first place? Why did you buy Ethereum? Just all? for the for the same reason Kevin said. I just want to be a part of it. You just want to be a part of it. Okay, that's fair. just want to be a part of it. Yeah, because I well, felt like creator Voyager. Is just Voyager. Man. Yeah. What about Voyager? Which they Voyager. smashed earnings today, by the way. Oh yeah. Voyager was on the hope of uh, Voyager, the the reward system becoming huge over time. And so Voyager mm -hmm. kind of blowing up as a brokerage, right? And becoming a, a big player in that market, maybe a number two, number three crypto brokerage long-term, plus getting into savings accounts, checking accounts, things like that, and expanding their business. And the Voyager token kind of being the thing that puts the glue together. And so that was kind of my thesis around Voyager and why I just bought another like 5,000 recently. Um, and when I, but I also, here's another thing when it comes to Voyager, I also look at it and I'm like, I'm paying, let's say $700 million for VGX. I do ask myself, I'm like, is it really worth $700 million? Is VGX really worth that? I, cause there's a lot of companies I could buy that are worth 700 million. Right. And so these, this is where I know a lot of people don't really like to like use their brain as much. And they're like, just want to think buy, but you got to sometimes use your brain. You got to ask yourself like, you know, is this really worth this, man? Or, or am I, am I paying a crazy price? I, yeah, I think what I, you're I saying yeah. is is a very common frustration of anything that has uh, momentum relative to a fundamentalist. So, for example, you know, you'll you'll see uh, AMC, uh, GameStop, uh, BNGO, some of the specs. You see these things follow very common patterns. A microvision, they all do it. Momentum, right? It's up, 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 like like the roller coaster, up, 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 up. And 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 in the meantime, people are getting on the ride very, very late on 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 the chain. You know, they're climbing the stairs to catch up. It's like, get me on at any price, no matter what. And, and, 
it's like inevitably the momentum stocks, they always have a, whoa, right? And I think that's what drives the fundamentalist nuts is because from a, for a fundamentalist, it's so frustrating because here we are like, hey, look, we just want to have our, our average annual 15 to, to 20% compounded annual rate of return, like, like a Warren Buffett at 17%, right? Uh, and we're going to do so with solid fundamentals and low risk. And, you know, the YOLOs go to the moon uh, and, and, and 10x that return sometimes in a week. And it's like, what, like, what's the point of using my brain, man? What the heck, you know? And it, it, it feels so punishing Oh, to a fundamentalist. That's a good point, Kevin. That's that's a really really good point, man. That, that's I, I why I, that's why I let Tesla kind of get away from me, and I and I and I regret that I did. But it just it was just so hard to justify its valuation at the time. Even when Jeremy, if you remember, we did a video together talking about the price at the time, and it was like three hundred. What was it like three hundred dollars yeah. before the split? Oh it was it was insane. It was it was crazy. That was the time to buy. But yeah. I feel like with with investing, to, no matter what type of investing you do, there's some type of speculation that there's some degree of suspension of belief that you have to look into the future and make an educated guess about what happens. But at the end of the day, you're looking at the future, not the present. So, I mean, with crypto, it's kind of like maybe you're looking much more ahead into the future and, and you have less fundamental analysis that you're basing that guess on. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's all a belief system, I suppose. It depends on the risk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crypto's crypto's just so new that we just it's it's hard to figure out because we we all have prices you know like almost anything in in the real world right we we have certain prices that we're like that's worth that like I don't know if if um I don't know what what your house is worth let's say Kevin but let's say all of a sudden you are selling it for five million or ten million and we're like is it really worth that we we'd be able to justify and be like no it's not it's not worth that or whatever you know or, or it's not just a thing like oh pay three million pay five million pay ten million pay twenty million pay fifty million it doesn't matter my house is worth an unlimited amount um, but with crypto it's just a different mentality than we have in real estate and stocks and anything else because it's so new that I don't yeah. think anybody really knows how to value these things yet. And maybe maybe Ethereum's worth trillions in the future and maybe and I hope I hope that happens. But maybe it's not or maybe it go you know it's just I don't know man it, it's a frustrating situation I, I feel like. But um I mean what what do you feel Andre cuz obviously you're you're probably the most tapped in of, of us in the crypto community. Like what do you feel about the perception of you know buy at any price um for for bitcoin ethereum it doesn't matter what I, I i that's why to to mitigate that risk i don't buy it at any price i dollar cost average into it and that smooths my volatility over time so uh, wh whatever the market does i don't i don't care i'm always buying it over time and i'm not putting all of my money in, into it all at once and so if it dips 90 percent tomorrow i don't care if it goes up 300 percent tomorrow i don't care i'm going to keep buying more at the same rate i've always done but doesn't so, it worry you, Andre, that you have so much of your portfolio in crypto? Because isn't it isn't more than half in um, in Bitcoin Ethereum? Gosh, let's see. What's it at? I guess it's no, yeah, it's it's fifty percent right now, considering yeah. the prices. But I didn't start with fifty percent. I started putting in a hundred thousand dollars, which at the time was like ten percent of my net worth. It became fifty percent. I mean, at the peak, it was like seventy or eighty percent. But I initially put ten percent into it, so. Either way, well, you know, yeah. and that's it's funny you say that because somebody in the comment is like, oh, here's Kevin talking about momentum stocks and is like 80 percent of Tesla. Well, first of all, I'm not 80 percent of Tesla. I'm like 48 percent of Tesla. It's a huge difference. Right. But I didn't put 48 percent into Tesla. I put like 10 percent into Tesla. Right. And, and right. the fundamentals paid off and, and it did really well. So it grew to that. And then yeah. I don't want to sell any. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's that's very similar to, to what you're saying here. And sometimes it just grows into that. Is that yeah, the, the most problem, logical thing? It, probably not. Exactly. And the problem that we have, I think, with, with Pro, the, the Dogecoin millionaire guy, right, is is that he did the exact opposite. Sure, <laughs> he, he turned 150000 or what was it, 100-something thousand, $125,000 into almost $3 million, but he bet the entire farm and he borrowed money yeah. to do it which was a, a far cry from taking 10% of what he had at the time, which would have been say $15,000 and then putting it into the market and seeing what Dogecoin would have done. So completely different risk assessment Ooh. in the way you go about it. Yeah, here, here's a question for you guys. You know, mm. obviously, you know, th that gentleman blew up as far as publicity. I'm, I'm pretty sure all you guys talked to them on your channels, right? But it was like, it blew up in a mainstream media, CNBC, everybody was yeah. talking about that gentleman. And then we had the, the other guy that had bought the, um, uh, GameStop, right? Who got super rich on that, did all the options. And that was like the pre, you know, pro the doge guy. Right. And so we had both of those guys blow up and get super popular. And I just wonder like how much that plays into people's psychology around, like, I, I know we touched on this a little bit, I think it was last week about the get, get rich or die trying type, uh, type oh, attitude. And I do <laughs> wonder a little bit, about um you know how much you know folks like that and how much the media and how much all of us you know talking about it and praising these people and, and wanting to cover them because it gets a lot of publicity and a lot of views um like like you know is that damaging or is it good in the end does it bring more people into the community that are interested in being like oh i can make money doing this what do you guys well, think I've got, I've got my own answer but I, I guess i'll kick it off so so for me I, I the way i've treated this meme investing phase that we're in is i i've I have the fundamental belief that finance is boring to like 99% of people in the world, which is silly because it's the most important thing in your life. It's what runs your life. And our challenge as, as content creators is to make this stuff fun and relatable. And I feel like there's not a lot of catalysts within finance to make this stuff fun and interesting. And I just feel like YouTube is an amazing platform to be up at 3 a.m. and just find some random cat video. And you're like, this is so cool. I got to share it with all my friends. Finance doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. Doge and GameStop is the cat video of finance. It's if, if you can do it responsibly, you can get the people that the way that most people think of investing is like this random. I don't want to gamble my money. I don't want to throw it into something random and lose all my money. That's how people perceive it. And that's why people find stuff like these, these YOLO GameStop plays and Dogecoin plays. And I think if you do it responsibly, if you, if you show people how to responsibly think about investing, uh, then I then I think it's a, an amazing conduit to get people interested in the finance and interested in the things they didn't think were important before. Doge and games. People interested into actual investing. That's that's. The way. Andre, you turned into a robot. I think his yeah. yeah I think his Wi-Fi just cut uh, out. Hey, uh, Andre, we lost you a little bit there. Yeah. I like was I was drive. about to say that for me at least it seems like a good example of just the importance of diversification and if you get lucky because I really think there's so much luck involved that if you're in a position like that to sell and I've had him on my channel I think once on the podcast once briefly on the main channel the entire video was basically me saying you should sell you're in a great position here's how you could diversify that and even when we had Kevin on the podcast briefly it was sell off half lock in your profit right now and then let the let the rest ride and I, I think for me it's a great story it gets people really entertained it, it it has a great lesson behind it and you could teach something from it 
it's hard to, like Andre said, it's hard to teach the importance of diversification using like an old school example of someone building up their portfolio over 30 years. But when it happens in a few months and now some guy has, you know, two million, three million dollars, that's a story that people want to listen to. And I think if you could learn something from that, all the better. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say real quick. Imagine you have you have two headlines for your channel on a given day. It's like this sixty-three-year-old built up to three million dollars over the past thirty-five years, or this guy just made three million dollars in eighteen months on call options. Or, or yeah. two you know what's funny? You know it's funny. I did a video. This is uh, this is almost four years ago now. This is one of my worst performing videos ever on my channel. I think even now it's got. Like, it, I think it's got like ten thousand views on my channel. From like four years ago it was a story about a secretary who passed away and left nine million dollars to charity and this person never made much more than minimum wage throughout their entire life but they just saved invested and they did that consistently over like 50 60 years and they got nine million dollars to charity nobody cared right nobody cared <laughs> nobody I mean, watched it like, like you were saying it's like hey YOLO, you know, on gun GameStop, one and a half million. Hey, and then and then people are like, you guys clickbait too much. It's like, well, it's not our fault you guys don't watch videos if we don't clickbait. It's not our yeah. fault. <laughs> watch yeah, like, the videos that are boring and we'll be boring. harvesting explained. No way. I got to watch <laughs> this video. It's said no one ever. <laughs> like, Seriously. So it uh, goes to show you. I mean, people people are definitely interested in, in unusual stories that just – that almost just evoke their own wishing that they had been able to do something like that. They, they're able to just dream for a little bit and imagine, what if I just invested a hundred grand into Dogecoin? Now I have $3 million. It's just yeah. fun to think about. The, the yeah. issue also as well, and, I, and I'm seeing a lot of these people that, that turn, you know, whatever, a, a $10,000 into a hundred thousand or a million is that's such a brief moment of time. Like that that's their 15 minutes of fame that they get. And it's almost impossible to recreate that kind of content for YouTube because that was a one-time shot. You got lucky and, and trying to create a YouTube channel around it is very hard. So I don't know. It's just, I don't know. There's so many lessons to be learned from it all. And, and it just feels like the people that win don't learn them. <laughs> they just can't well, keep them. Yeah, good point. You know, <laughs> that's a really good line. The people that win don't learn them. Well, and then they YOLO away again on the next big thing, and, and then yeah. they end up losing it all. That's, that's, a, that's a beautiful line. Write that down. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what is interesting is your argument about you can't build a YouTube channel around. I know that, and it just, I haven't done this that long, but in the three and a half years or whatever, four years, I don't know, whatever that I've been doing this, I've seen channels come and go. And the ones that consistently go are the ones that are all in on, on things that are inherently momentum-based and risky. It's one thing to cover it. But a lot of us, for example, when we cover these, these insane swings or momentum plays, we express a lot of caution. Uh, but there are plenty of channels that just day in, day out, every day – it's going moon, 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 yeah, moon, and it can and it can never ever have a bad day. Those are usually the ones that don't survive over the long term. Absolutely, Dude, there's so many crypto channels blowing up right now. People I never heard that are getting like 300, 400, 500 thousand views, video in, video out. It's crazy. The crypto spaces. I don't know if it's going to stay hot like this, but to right me, now, it's, it's blind optimism. It's yeah. it's seven videos a day, guys. <laughs> we got to stay strong today. We're about to moon. 
look at all of these things. Look how much we're up in the last year. And they all say the same thing. Look, we're up 10,000% in the last year. We could do it. We could keep going. We got to stay strong. And there's yep. usually some motivation built in there. And then three hours later, all right, guys, we've held strong the last few hours. We got to keep holding strong. Look, and they, it's, it's insane. It's <laughs> insane to me. It's, it's blind optimism. And eventually it's going to fade. That's not going to last. Yeah. No. We, we sound like old men. We sound like 90 year olds. Whippersnappers. They're on my lawn and they won't go away. And they're loud. Yeah. Sometimes I, I question myself. I'm like, am I just being old and traditional or is this really the wave of the future? It's it's such a tough balance between being responsible and, and using those traditional golden pieces of advice and in investing and diversification versus like, is this a new paradigm? Are we really abandoning fundamentals? Are we just all going to be meme investors from now on? It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting phase. It is. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's, yeah, go ahead, Kevin. I was just quickly just going to say, I like the distraction of, of all this momentum driven stuff because quite frankly, it's tanked all of my stocks and that sounds insane, but it's created, in my opinion, this beautiful opportunity to just go shopping. And so I'm just, just regularly like, whatever. Bye, bye, bye. And people now make videos about like, uh, Kevin stock stock, this, that, or whatever. And I'm like, really? Square, Tesla, Etsy, Amazon, Apple, Ooh, Google, the companies of the future suck. See you in a few years. <laughs> speaking, of which, speaking of which, I bought my first non S and P 500 stock this week. Well, actually, oh. What days, dude? So on Friday and yesterday, I was buying this stock, Coinbase. Hey. Finally, around 220, I think, yeah, about 220, I started buying more. I think I put in 12, 12 to 15,000 total. Good. You have 30,000 so, in it already, right? Yeah, so it's 30 in it already. Now I'm about 42, 40, 45. I think total I is my investment. So I'm still so with, down. With the extra 15, but, your cost basis is what, 600? 600. Wow. Yeah. I think my cost basis now on that is, uh, I don't know, high 200s. It, it, so. It's, I honestly, like, I, I was just doing another analysis on Coinbase. It's got like, a, it's forward PE. If you look at 2024 Wall Street estimated earnings, it's forward PEs, like, 32, which honestly is not that bad. It's kind of like, it's actually a little cheaper than even like an NVIDIA. Uh, so for what it is, I I think that was a great move, man. You're not, I don't think you're going to regret that one. We'll see. But yeah, that was the only stock for me that I felt, well, this is beat down. It's really found some resistance in the low 200s. And I think for transaction volume, yeah. I'm, listen, if, if I'm going and buying Coinbase, all the time, it, like buying Bitcoin and Ethereum on Coinbase myself. I downloaded the app now. Now I could buy on the go. A lot of other people I think are doing the same. That's true. I, I'm in the phase of you don't lose anything unless you sell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm about to start a GoFundMe for uh, my losses. <laughs> I think this relates to our title. I think it's actually our title is an understatement, losing a million dollars. <laughs> Did you guys see that BlockFi, by the way, lost 700 plus Bitcoin? Oh. I did. Andre, that was an amazing video you did. Oh, I saw you. your title and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm like, why didn't I think of this? Right. It was perfectly positioned. Every video you post, I, I think that the same thing. I'm like, are you serious? You find that? I'm like, I needed to have done that. Uh. Well, I, in <laughs> fairness, you changed your title. 
I did. I said BlockFi lost 700 to lost 700, I yeah, think. 700 Bitcoins lost. Which yep. is true. They There were yep. seven. Really good title change. Because I saw the title change within the first five minutes. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smart. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That was, it was crazy. They recovered 90% of them, though. But I asked people to uh, give us any alternatives they had. And people had a lot of really great suggestions, both in CFI and DeFi, which is, you know, uh, CFI with companies, DeFi with, you know, decentralized finance. But, and, and while talking about YouTube, this is a good time to plug our new YouTube course, which is going to be $20,000 and it's going to include <laughs> 48 videos from Kevin, two videos from me, 17 videos from Graham, 98 videos from Andre on, on his beautiful thumbnails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Oh no, so, okay, here we go, guys. If you had to, here we got to do some fun, some funny questions, okay? If you had to buy one for the next 10 years only one oh gosh bitcoin or ethereum next 10 years and you got to put every dollar you have in it for the next 10 years what do you what do you do i think we're all going to be united on this actually do you I, don't, I don't know i'm leaning i'm leaning ethereum same yeah that's what we're all yeah. leaning yeah but really? I, don't okay. I don't know I was. I thought you guys were all gonna say Bitcoin. I was like, oh no, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the Ethereum. No, yeah. I thought we were gonna say Bitcoin too, all of us. Yeah. Hey, yeah. that's a big change, dude. Because I can guarantee you, any time in the past, I almost bet you any money that we all would have said probably Bitcoin. Wait, wait, wait. Um, but, that, but that's not. That's not to say that that uh, Bitcoin will be more valuable than Ethereum. Sure, I just, think, I just sure. think that the yeah the in, the increase that you're gonna get is is gonna be far more on Ethereum than Bitcoin at this point right now. Yeah, I feel like in the past uh, we would have probably viewed, um, you know, maybe Ethereum as a little riskier and potentially not as much upside as Bitcoin. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it's always been this way. But I think that was kind of the conventional wisdom until I think there's just a lot of excitement around Ethereum, you know, specifically, I feel like since NFTs all of a sudden happened. All of a sudden that was, I feel like, almost the game changer where everybody really started getting excited about it. I don't yeah. Know. Although, did you guys see all the crazy catalysts that happened with Bitcoin this week too? Ray Dalio bought Bitcoin. That's oh, huge. God. That is Dude, he's massive. Three years, three years talking about how he thought he was stupid. Hmm. Talking crap about Bitcoin. Yeah. It's insane. I was going to do. Dude, I was going to do a video. I should have done it. I would have done so many views. It was going to be um, uh, Ray Dalio just went all in Bitcoin. It was going to do so oh. many views. I, I didn't do it. I should have I mean, done no, it. I think that would still do really well. Just yeah, that, probably. That video. Not probably. too late. Now, now that I told everybody I can't do it. But no, well, I'll do it. <laughs> no, it's not too late. Kevin, it's <laughs> Kevin's like, I need a six video for the day. That'll be the one. <laughs> and did you guys also see that? That uh, gosh, Michael, what's the, Michael Saylor? He talked with Elon, and they had a meeting with the miners to make Bitcoin more energy efficient. That's yeah. huge too. That's huge. Yep. I just think China is not going to be a partner in it at all. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because they made the statement that it was like the mission was to try to get the world on board with this. And I'm like, there's no way. Like it was China's North American miners, right? He just said North yep. American miners. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Canada uh, and, and US actually reached out to Hut 8 and uh, they replied and confirmed they were part of the meeting. So it was interesting. Wow. So, Hmm. Kevin, you you should uh, if you become governor, man, you should make California the number one sustainable Bitcoin mining uh, sure. state in the United States, man. Yeah. Could you imagine by Tesla? And, and what what did I say at the rally? 
You remember? What'd you say, or what'd you say, Kevin? Uh, I don't know, man. I'll, 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 it's in a video coming out too. But I said, uh, okay. I, if I became governor, we we would absolutely look into making California the most competitive crypto state uh, in the country, as long as we're not talking like high fees. Like there has to be net benefit. But I I think it's a wonderful thing. Look, if the fees are low and and we can do transactions faster and more transparently at the state level, let's go. Wow, that's exciting, man. I, I feel like out here in Nevada, we should be competitive, man. We got a lot of solar going on out here, Andre. It's like solar. We do. That's all we have. <laughs> solar. That's all we have. <laughs> if, if somehow we could take the smoke that goes through the casinos somehow and generate that into electricity. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Bitcoin's transaction fees have nothing to do with its efficiency and its mining source. So yeah. that's, that's the unfortunate part. Yes. Mm, okay. All right. So, so now we got to cover the other part of the title. Yeah. Graham. Graham. Kevin. The baby photo. <laughs> Kevin. Get Lauren in here. Yeah. There it is. It's just a little teeny peanut. Wait, there we go. Right there. Little peanut. Wow. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You got to hold that up again. Oh, okay. Let's there see. There we go. Right there. Congratulations. Yeah. To Jeremy, Jeremy. I just got a picture of Andre's child. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, appreciate it, man. We, I, we were like, are we going to have twins? And then my wife was like, well, if we have twins, then we got to have one more. So then we can have five. We can have a full basketball team, man. But, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, three, three kids. I don't know, man. I, I was not expecting that. Uh, wow. That's going to be a lot. That's all I got to say. And I'm not a baby again, man. Oh, I thought I was through that phase, the crying, the poopy diapers. Oh, man. No, you're gonna Andre, love it. You're gonna look back in 20 years, and you're gonna be going that contaminated, tattooed chef food that got us pregnant was such a good move. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I can't wait till Andre and Graham have kids in their 40s and they kind of start experiencing. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, I'm That's thinking about. It. I'm, like, I'm gonna be that old guy at at school. Like, oh look at look at their parents. They're so old. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, by then, by then they're gonna have anti-aging up the wazoo. Oh, You'll look exactly yeah. the same now as you will when you're seventy. Yeah, you, you know what? You know what people think every time they see like an old dad is they're like, oh, he must have got remarried to some twenty-year-old, and like you know, like <laughs> now they're like playing with their little kid and they're like fifty-eight and <laughs> one of those situations. But oh man, but yeah. Anyways, yeah, another one on the way, and then uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know where we take the conversation from there because all I talk about is stock. So I don't know how to talk anything other than that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> any any other sorry. housing plans? And then we can maybe go into to questions. But I know we've got, uh, hmm. you know, is anybody moving or buying more real estate? Actually, no, question of real estate stuff, Graham. I, I, I've noticed yeah. you guys are doing more real estate videos because obviously a lot more relevant. The real estate market's heating up a lot. But I, the videos, are they performing as well as your normal ones or or they no, no. Why? Um, the, the last one did the last one did decent, but overall, I mean, people know that housing is really expensive. Not a lot has really fundamentally changed. It keeps going up in in, in price. Interest rates are still low, and if anything, now I, I think there's a CNBC headline now 
that said that real estate has gone up. I think it's like fourteen point three percent nationally year over year now. Uh, with no signs of slowing down. There's a huge shortage. It's the lowest inventory we've ever had. Materials are going up the highest. I think lumber now is what, like 300%? It, it keeps going up. And supply chain shortages keep pushing up prices for the near future. So I don't know. Personally, I don't think any of this is sustainable, but uh, it could take quite a long time. Because what is a sustainable growth in real estate? Two to three percent, I'm guessing. Is that like what's a what a depends normal the, year would look like? Depends on the area. Sure. Uh, nationally, nationally, nationally yeah. the median probably two to two to three, three and a half at the most. Certain areas might see more demand. Like I know Phoenix, Arizona has seen a lot of demand. Austin, Texas, Dallas, Texas. Um, but <laughs> Kevin's like, let me introduce you to wedge deals. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. I just I can't see. How, how much longer this could go on for. Because on the one hand, you have a whole bunch of buyers out there who simply can't get a house. And you're seeing 50, 60 offers on some of these deals right now. Those buyers are out there. They want to buy something. There's not enough inventory. So how much inventory needs to come on the market to satisfy all those people that want to buy? And at what point can, can the cost of materials come down? Can any of you name a catalyst that would slow the market down? What, what would cause it to cool off? Interest rates. Right. I think that that would be the biggest catalyst. If, if interest rates all of a sudden overnight go from 3.2% and, oh, inflation is crazy, and now, now they're 4%, that would probably deter a good percentage of people out there. But the mm. reality is they can't build homes fast enough. They don't have enough materials to build homes to keep up with supply. So even if interest rates do go up, we still have a huge housing shortage. Mm. So I don't think it's something that could easily be fixed anytime but Kevin, soon. you're saying september is kind of the the, the time to watch out for right yeah and actually i got a little bit more and and i'm i'm regularly looking for why i'm going to be wrong uh because i need to be aware of, of if i'm mm -hmm. going to be wrong i need to be aware uh mm -hmm. and so today I, I listened to something that i hadn't even thought of before so my theory is that once we get uh q2 earnings data and Q3 earnings data from companies, we're going to see the real impact of inflation. We're going to see the real impact on earnings. We're going to see the real amount of spending from people now that things are mostly going to be opened up again. You know, Q2, 3, things should be mostly open again. And it would be before any kind of like Q4 potential COVID winter or whatever. So we're going to have really good earnings data. We're going to get rid of these base effects of last year where things were in a hole last year with, with really like deflation, basically. Uh, so, so earnings, base effects gone. Supply chain shortages should start showing signs of alleviating. We're already starting to see comments from like Neo or whatever going, oh, we're already starting to see supply chain issues loosen up. I got another one on top of that. Folks, people going back to school. Now, I didn't consider this one at first, but I heard it this morning and I'm like, oh man, that's another reason September, October looks good because we hear it every week. Jeremy's talking about how nobody's got jobs, but what happens in September or nobody, like all the companies are looking for jobs, right? Yeah. What happens in September? Two things. Number one, unemployment wears off, but wait, kids go to school, which means whoever's taking care of the kids can also go to work again. So you have like a, a cluster F of, of catalysts for basically deflation, <laughs> like, or, or at least uh, I should say, a slowing of the pace of inflation in September and October. And I think Do stocks think, are going to freak out on that. 
Do you think that it would still not be super accurate though because of the pent up demand and like the overconsumption that we've had? So maybe later data would be a little bit more accurate once yes. everything returns a little yeah. bit more. I, I think the it's gonna take until I think well into 2022 to really like get rid of all this crap. Right. But the market doesn't care about uh, you know, like the the statistics playing out. The market cares about okay, right now we're on this on this course that's like really high inflation. When that starts like eh, inflecting to the downside, it's like, wait a minute, inflation's falling. The market starts trading off that really fast. Mm -hmm. Wow. We'll see. Yeah, that's interesting. The, um, yeah. So you're basically saying the market could potentially boom. You, you know, the stock market could potentially boom in the back half of this year into 22, right, Kevin? Yep. Okay. Hey, yeah, so I just want to mention one weird thing in relation to real estate real quick. It is uh, very strange, you know, for the, the new house we're, we're closing on, right, Graham? Uh, yeah. Going to the mortgage stuff, they're asking so many weird questions they don't usually yeah. do. Very strange Why? stuff. And I, I talked with a friend who's just closing on his house. He's like, same exact thing, man. It's like they're asking for like every, like like so much crap they don't usually do. And I'm trying to figure out, is Why? it like maybe the builders want us to like not get the house or something so they can sell it to somebody else or is it changes in laws because there's so many questions that never get asked and also what are now the questions? huh hey guys what are the questions guys, keep keep Links. going i gotta i gotta take off you guys keep going okay okay right. how do we how do we shut off when we get done though i'll, I'll pop in with my phone and i'll, I'll take care of it what okay no let's all just right, end right. it now that's a good no, 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 no. You, you guys keep going it'll be fine how about 715? Right. 715 okay. will wrap up, Kevin's, just so you know. Okay. All right. Okay. 715. All right. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't know. All I know is my wife's the one that handles all that. And she's just saying, like, it's way more crap than usual. And then I talked to with a friend who's closing on his house. He said the same exact thing. He's like, they're making us feel. What are the questions, Jeremy? We want to know. He's like teasing them. <laughs> Dude, like, like, like every single time you send them everything, then they're like, oh, we need to see, like, an HOA statement that you're up on this or like, like, I don't know, just like the most random. That, that's that's well, dude, I'm telling, I, I, like I said, I don't handle this. I, my wife handles it. All she's saying and she always handles this. All she's saying is like, it's way more than usual. It's, this is, this is way more stuff we're having to send. Um, are, they want to are you using everything. a new lender? Um, yeah, never used that one before. And then is this the toll brothers lender. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's why. It could be, yeah, yeah. But I'm so, I'm, yeah. Like, so I, I got pre, I, I got pre-qualified through the Toll Brothers people, and then also I got pre-qualified separately from another lender. I did them both at the same time, just so that way I would have an option, just in case one fell through, I'd be able to use the other. Same thing. The, the Toll Brothers lenders, they're extremely strict. Listen, at the end of the day, they're just trying to churn through these loans. Um, but uh, there's a lot of just, in my opinion, useless crap that they want to verify and they were way more strict i went through uh jp morgan and they're easy they're just mm -hmm. yeah just send us here's what we need send us this if we have any questions we'll let you know the other one uh toll brothers are very thorough it's oh, that's, a, that's a luxury home builder right so that's they could be yeah. pickier. they could be pickier than the normal builder yeah but it, the weird thing was i was talking to my friend who has nothing to do with toll or anything like that a whole different builder in a whole different situation he was like dude it's the same exact thing he's like the the amount of crap he's like you know he works for for apple you know his, his uh fiance works for uh she's a surgeon and he's like they're making us feel like we're not qualified 
And he's uh-huh. like, that's literally the way we're starting to feel. And so I don't know. Maybe there hasn't been a change. Yeah. Maybe it's just I don't know. No, no. It's the same thing. thing. So I so I had this happen uh when when I hey Kevin. Sorry, I'm using hey. it for mobile. My bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I had this happen when uh when I signed the offer on this. Um they wanted to immediately go and run my credit and um and then pre-qualify me like immediately like the next day and i didn't want to do that because i was in the middle of a, of a, a refinance a cash out, cash out refinance in my previous place so i couldn't show a hard inquiry to get a new loan right afterwards so i said i was buying the home cash and i had to give them bank statements and tell them don't worry i'm not going to be getting a loan and they were very thorough even on that and then once the refinance went through, I was like, oh, I changed my mind. Let's go through it. And immediately, even if I wanted to get another loan uh, or I, I wanted just to um, buy it cash, they required that I went through them and got pre-approved. I saved a it, whole bunch of money on my loan by switching to cash. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I, could, I couldn't get a loan, so I <laughs> didn't yeah. have the two years of history. But I remember you, Graham, you were telling me to, 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 show, uh, to show the cash as a balance sheet. Just Yep. Use that, but I didn't yep. even have 1.4 million in cash at that time, which is uh, kind of a lot of money. So I'm, 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 I'm glad. I mean, I didn't go overboard with it because I bought a half a house that's worth half of that, which I'm, I'm in love with. But, um, but we could have been neighbors. But we could have all been neighbors. We could have all been three together. Yeah. Oh man, that would have been amazing. But Andre, I'm excited for your house, man. I, I saw. A, I don't know, a week ago or so, I think you posted something on Instagram stories and I was like, oh man, that's looking beautiful. It's looking Dude, amazing. it's going to be so cool. Yeah. People with no imagination are like, yeah, it looks like a warehouse. Like just, mm-hmm. just wait, just wait, just wait until I remodel it and furnish it. It's going to look so different than what people think it's going to look like. What is it going to be done? In supposedly in probably three, four weeks, hopefully. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then I could finally get a live-in editor and have my own Jack. There we go. But now you, you you can't only get a Jack. You got to get a Jack and an Alex. <laughs> no, I'm not a Graham Jack level. needs an Alex now. <laughs> no, I'm not a Graham level. Oh, man. I'm, I'm yeah. at Jack level right now, okay? What what, what uh, room are you most excited about uh, when it comes to remodels? Is it like the kitchen or is it like the bathroom? Or what's the most uh, that the you're kitchen. I like I like the kitchen the best, yeah, because I'm doing this waterfall feature, which I'm I think your guys' houses have that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where the quartz yeah. kind of runs over to the bottom, yeah. yeah, and and yeah, and I got like a three inch thick slab of white Calcutta quartz. It's so beautiful. And fridges, by the way, oh my gosh, I did not know that there was a big difference in cost between a built-in fridge and a non-built-in fridge. So, are you guys familiar with that? I'm sure you know. Yes. Are you talking oh about the counter, the counter depth? Counter depth fridges, fridges are te- like 10 grand for the 48 yeah. inch that I got. That's, well, that's what I paid for mine. Every other right. fridge was like three, four thousand dollars. Right. High end one. Yes. Double it. Double it and a half if you well, want. What's, what's crazy is, is what's crazy is the, the built in one has less space than the yep. three thousand or four thousand dollar one. So what you're paying yep. is a different form factor. And to my understanding, the reason that those fridges are more expensive isn't because they're like more luxury. It's because when you change the, the form factor and make it smaller, the technology is a lot harder to fit in the smaller space. And so yeah. they, they charge you triple the cost. I think you have a built-in fridge right now, Jeremy, the one behind you. Um, that's a 48-inch. That's a 48-inch. Yeah. 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 yeah, that one's a big beast. But, yeah, the one at the new house, man, 
23. 23 no. inches? $23,000. No. No. Wait, Kevin, you, sorry, you're, you're talking about the one that's uh, that's the new the new one in Vegas that you're moving. Yeah, the new one in How? Vegas. So it's the fridge plus the wine columns on each side. So the, the fridge, I think, was, I want to say 18, 16, 18, what? something like that. Wine columns along with it. Yeah, 20, 23,000. Did you get, yeah. is it sub-zero? It's got to be sub-zero. Sub yeah, it's whatever, like, the highest-end brand you could pretty much buy is sub-zero. So I went with the yeah. KitchenAid one, and that was 10. But they had the sub-zero one that I think was, like, 13.5 or 14. Same thing. It just mm -hmm. says sub-zero on it. I, yeah. I didn't get that. Me I too. Get that, but. I got a monogram. Mine is monogram. I, I love the KitchenAid ones. They look great too. And I also got, you know how the, the, the highest end range appliances are all from Wolf? The one I got yeah. what, with red knobs, that's like every million dollar house that you see has red knobs. Yeah. But the one <laughs> I got the one I got was Thor, which is kind of like <laughs> like a poor man's version of that. It doesn't have red knobs, but it looks cool oh, too. You could always just paint them red. <laughs> just spray paint them red. Just spray paint them. It's the same thing. Just get a crayon and color it in and my Dude, I, I, used to, I used to do that with my cars back in the day like if something if i had a black car and something went wrong i would just spray paint spray paint it black or do a sharpie and yeah i um, do a sharpie on on the tesla rims there's a few spots where i've just kind of curbed them a little bit take a sharpie scribble it in it's the same thing totally fine or there's a black like liquor um or not yeah Lacker. like a Lacquer, sorry, black lacquer that uh, that you could buy on eBay, and you just put black liquor, uh, <laughs> black licorice that you could just put over it. <laughs> black liquor, oh, dude. I, I, how close is your house? It's pretty much done, right, Jeremy? Yeah, almost. Uh, yeah, we're getting in in just a few weeks. So I'm pumped. What? A few weeks. Yep. All right. Yeah, few I'm weeks. Man. Do you have a what? fancy like Ram too? Oh, that's gonna take a while. I haven't even planned that yet. So that's gonna be like a year from now. Yeah, we'll have it or, or so. So, but okay. um, yeah, it, it's still a, in, in, but Andre, though, it's the one thing about your house, man. If only you had a pool, that would be the next level, man. My Are backyard you, is not big enough for a pool. Like, it, it, it's uh, going to be such a small pool. I don't have a huge backyard. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do you, you care at all about a pool or are you like, no, nah, not really? I don't want one. No, I, I really don't want one. I think the maintenance on them is really, really high. Um, it is. Absolutely. And, and it's just so time consuming to always keep it up and i have trees in the background so all the leaves are going to fall in every day and it's just a pain in the butt so. yeah because i mean pool service with you know you know if you're going to have somebody clean your pool plus do the chemicals you're looking at probably about 150 a month so what is that 1800 a year and then if anything goes wrong with your pool so you can have that expense but if you've got a new pool like the chance of something's going to go wrong in the first three years pretty low um term you could your motor will go and things like that so it's like a savings like so much money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the upgrade yes. already that I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend because I've already spent over a hundred grand, I think, or close to a hundred grand. And I just I don't want to spend another fifty to a hundred on a backyard. Like that's the area that I bought in is just it's like a million dollar house in that area where I bought would be on like the highest end of that. So that's pretty much what I would be putting into it. If I put another pool, if I put a pool in, so it's okay. just, yeah, hey, it's not uh, worth it. Let's do a few minutes of Q and a, but since I always pick the questions, one of you yeah. guys should pick the questions tonight. Man. I don't have YouTube open, but if you guys, Oh, do. Graham, you got, you got it open. Yeah. So you can see? 
Okay, yeah, cool. so let's, so, um, so guys, whatever questions you have, first of all, make sure to subscribe. Really easy to do, totally free. Hit the subscribe button before you forget, because everybody forgets, and we'll answer a few questions here. So let's see what we got. Let's see. Do you know how to throw them on the screen? Because I don't know how to do that. I, I think only Kevin could do that, right? Yeah, that's true. He's hosting it, yeah. Jeremy, keep keep talking, Jeremy, while I look okay. through these questions. To see. <laughs> so, yeah. did you guys see Tattoo Chef stock today? <laughs> I'm just I knew kidding. you were going to go there. I knew you were going to go there. That's going to be a <laughs> Tattoo <laughs> Chef conversation. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, All right. Here, here's a question. This, this, this applies to a lot of people. How much should I spend on a home relative to income and my net worth? Ooh, that's that's you, oh. Graham. Yeah. To me, it depends on the area. For the most part, I like to, I think it's pretty safe to buy a home that's not worth more than, I would say, three to five times your annual income. So if you make $100,000 a year, I think $500,000 would be the max. Maybe in areas like San Francisco, Los Angeles, maybe like six hundred, seven hundred thousand. Obviously, if you have two incomes, you could add that in. But I'd say three to five times, at the most. Yeah, I mean, me, I didn't, I didn't buy my first house, so I was already, you know, had over a million dollar net worth. So I'm probably not the best person to ask, but I should have bought it earlier. I will say because, man, the appreciation—it's just so amazing. Rather than throwing money at rent, but I would say. Um, Man, as far as the, the price point, I, I kind of look at it more as the mortgage, right? And I say, like, let's say you make four thousand dollars a month. I don't, I don't think you should own a home that's going to cost you more than like a thousand dollars a month. So maybe twenty five percent of your your you know wages you earn, basically you're spending on mortgage or or yeah. rent for that matter. Right. I was going to say thirty percent. That's my max. Thirty percent. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Kevin. Yeah, so I'm asking. What's up, Kevin? I can put questions. Hey, I, I can put pictures up if you need. I'm back for a few minutes. Uh, the, cool. Apparently, Ubers take like 16 minutes now, so I guess I got a few extra oh, minutes. Nice. Uh, where are you going, Kevin? Uh, Ventiki again. <laughs> really? Yeah. What is Ventiki? Well, maybe we shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, let's not go there. I don't Jeez, want to. <laughs> yeah, no, no exactly. We shouldn't talk. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Let's talk about tiki torches. No, okay, Kevin. No, what was I? I was going somewhere with this, but I got us off the subject, so that was successful. Um, it's Kevin, probably tattoo chef. Hey, no, no. Yeah, tattoo chef. No Uber. So, dude, I'm seeing that consistently. Like everybody I know that ever needs an Uber ride. What happened to Uber drivers, man? They all left or something? It's like impossible to get a ride nowadays from everybody I ever speak to. Yeah, man. there's a shortage right now of Uber drivers. That's that's negative for Uber short term, but no one cares about the short term when it comes to Uber. It's only about the long term off. So, um, yeah. By the way, Kevin, have you thought about dyeing your hair gray to look more distinguished as an older gentleman now that you're running for governor? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I I could just grow the beard out again. Oh, that's true. And I, I, I wouldn't do the beard though. I would not do the beard. I, I don't think older people would like that. It's uh, yeah, true. yeah. I like the silver hair idea though. I like that silver hair. Yeah, <laughs> I know. My I keep having grays pop out. And my wife's like, "Oh, you're gonna be a silver fox soon." I'm like, what in the world? I want to. I want to have gray hair already. How's, <laughs> have you? You guys have some grays popping out, or is it only me, man? I have a bunch, man. I don't. I don't have any. What, Graham? Uh, you don't have any? I haven't had a single one. 
Yeah. Wait till you start having kids in your 50s. Then your grades are going to start popping out. <laughs> Wait till your YouTube channel stops getting views. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you start hitting a, a 3% or less subscriber to view ratio, that's when they start popping out. <laughs> is that what it is? 3%? I would say it's like, yeah, no. 5 yeah. 5%. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Graham, come on, man. You got to have something good for us. You've been looking for a half hour now, man. <laughs> uh, well, people were asking questions about how much tattooed chef you could fit in a $23,000 refrigerator. Um, <laughs> so, so, or, or something about would you rather invest in bit Bitcoin or drink like hot dog flavored water? These are the best <laughs> questions. We, we got we to gotta answer some of these. We got to answer one good question here. Man. Uh, Let's see. Well, the latest one, what are your thoughts about Ethereum becoming deflationary? Oops. Here, oh, that that's too that's too hard for my brain to comprehend. That, that is question. something they're talking about though, is is that over time, uh like I think it's 30% to tipping for a uh, 70% burn uh once once you know it's all stake model. Uh yeah, it, it'll basically become deflationary and people think that'll make it a super currency, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Graham got so stressed out from trying to pick questions that he just dipped on us. He's just he, like, I'm he out. Found, he found a silver hair. <laughs> he's going to have Macy give him a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, this is too stressful. Well, I think we should just wrap it up, guys, because, man, this is this has not been our, our best performance on a stream. <laughs> We've had yeah. some issues, so. <laughs> Let's wrap it. Oh shoot! Our rap guy's not here. Graham, where are you at, man? You're supposed to be here to rap it. You're not even. All right. Well, anyways, I'll do the Graham thing. Make sure you guys subscribe to this. Check out Millennial Money Clips. It's the first link in the description down there. Millennial Money Clips. We post uh, once to twice a day on there. Different clips from past Millennial Money's, including this one. So definitely check out that. Don't forget to smash. It's the most important part of the day. You know, you know, it's the most important part of the day. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> to smash. And with that being said, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Much love and peace. Like the smash button. Peace Destroy out. it. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.